Today, well, first off, good morning, everybody. It's good to see you. And as I mentioned earlier, um, there are some faces I haven't seen for a while, so welcome back. Some faces I don't think I've met before, so welcome. And, you know, we'll all be looking forward to getting the, the fellowship and the hugs and all that uh, after service. Today is, in effect, our, well, it actually is the way the calendar worked out. This is our first uh, Sunday of the new year. And one of the things that is helpful to me is, first off, the thing that is not helpful to me is to sit down, beat myself up for a few hours about all the things that I need to change about myself. Because it's a new year and I got this clean slate and I should just absolutely positively be aspiring to be positively perfect in every area of my life. And, you know... I turned 65 last year, 66 is only about three months off, and I have given up perfection. So there you have it, that is your lesson for today, amen, hallelujah, and no more New Year's resolutions in my life, and there have not been for several years. And the thing that's helpful about that is I carry no guilt about my New Year's resolutions lasting 12 hours. No guilt whatsoever. And, and so what I do at the beginning of every year, however, is it is a time that allows us some space if we claim it. Now, you can fill up every single moment of your life between the week before Thanksgiving and about Easter if you choose to do so. I have chosen to not participate in a lot of the things about the holiday season that that really, in my mind, they're not priorities for me. And, and because I have the faculty of power or dominion over my own thoughts and my own life, I have chosen to do the things that feel important to me. And one of the things that feels important to me during this time every year is to refocus on what it is I actually believe and how do I interact with those beliefs throughout the year. It's one, you know, we learn things when, when, we're, when we're little. And I, I'm not going to try and pick anything specific out here, but each one of us, I'm sure could think of something that we learned when we were very young that at some point we were shocked to find out it was not true. Or we learned something when we were very young and we worked with it, you know, we lived according to what we understood at that time. And then at some point it occurred to us there could be a different way of looking at that. So what we're going to be doing in the beginning portion of this year is focusing back on some of the basics of new thought and unity and see if maybe there are new ways that we can turn these things around and work with them that are maybe, maybe help us to deepen our understanding. One of the things that, uh, one of the images, and I'm a very visual kind of person, so, so it helps me to have visual images. One of the things that has been very helpful to me in relation to our use of the term truth 
And those of you that have been in unity for more than a day and a half know that we claim to base our foundation in truth. We call ourselves truth seekers, truth students. We call this body of stuff that various teachers have left for us truth teachings. Truth is a big thing. And my understanding of truth will not be the same as yours. And your understanding of truth will not be the same as the person who sits next to you. And yet, one of our basic precepts is that if something really is true, it has to be true for everybody. Now here's an example of something that is true for everybody. Gravity. You don't get to claim exemption. If you stand on the edge of the Grand Canyon and you decide to take one more step that's one too many steps, you do not get to claim exemption from the truth of gravity simply because you choose not to believe gravity is true. We have things in our lives that we work with that we claim are true But our understanding of them deepens over the years. So my visual for truth has become like a cut gemstone. And you know, I'm not particularly fond of diamonds just because they're clear and they don't have a lot of color. I love opals and I love, you know, I love stones that have light and change and color and all of that. So my my gemstone, my mental gemstone changes from day to day. But If we look at truth as a cut, faceted gemstone, we know that every way we turn it, it reflects slightly differently, doesn't it? And so when we look at truth, we need to remember that as that truth does not does not change, that gemstone does not change the truth. But depending on the angle we look at it, And depending upon our preconceived notions and beliefs, the way that we relate to truth changes greatly over time. So as we look at the basics this year, and starting right here today, I hope that you will consider that perhaps something may be said that doesn't, isn't really put the way you understood it. And then be willing to examine that. Now, maybe you're going to examine it and you're just going to say, you know what, I just don't agree. And that's okay. We do not have to all agree exactly on everything. What we have to do is be willing to, each one of us, be responsible for the thoughts and the words and the actions that we bring to the world. And how does truth help us do that more optimally? One of the first things that I believe is true is that as it states in our first unity principle there's one power one presence there's no oppositional power there is that which goes by an infinite number of names some of which might be God divine mind Buddha um, Allah what the universe whatever you want to call it and I believe that that is good without opposite. I also believe according to our second unity principle that we are that. We came from that. 
I don't know how. I don't know why. I don't know for what ultimate purpose in the universe. But I do know that if there is only one presence and there is only one power, and that is our source, then we must be the same thing as that source. I mean, let's look at it this way. If the one power and the one presence was an apple tree, just to play with pictures, and something is going to come from that, what's going to come from it? Apples. And the seeds in those apples are going to grow more apple trees. It would be ridiculous to think that we were going to create jellyfish from an apple tree. So why on earth... Do some of us still carry around the thought that we are somehow broken, terrible, awful creatures, the whole dust of the earth thing, when our source is absolute good without opposite? Doesn't make sense to me. So I do believe that. And in alignment with that, I believe this statement that we affirm here every week. This is this community's evolution of a statement that was made by Charles Fillmore in the book Keep a True Lent, which was his evolution of a Bible verse. So we speak this here, we speak this every week to remind ourselves of the truth of what we are. Who we are is our personality. We're Marilyn and Shirley and John and Muriel and Jim and Susan and Rick and everybody in here. That's the who of what we are. And as our personalities, we are each separate individual personalities. The what, however, that we are is spirit. We are that one presence, that one power in expression at the point we are. And as the what we are, we are unique, individualized expressions of that. So this is our statement that we, we speak here to remind us of that truth. So I'm going to invite you, if you wish, to speak these words with me as we begin our new year as we study truth together. Releasing the things that are behind, I realize I am strong positive, powerful, wise, loving, fearless, free spirit. I am the infinite, expressing at the point I am. I am peace in the midst of all matters. And so it is. Amen. And I also realized I did not introduce the who of me, my name is Nita, so if you are here for the first time, um, that is my name, and I look forward to getting to know yours later on. So we start off with an aspiration of living into that statement. Now, as a human personality, do I always demonstrate strength? No. Do I always demonstrate positivity? No. Um, I will just say, You know, I'm pretty good between the hours of 10.30 and 11.30 on Sunday mornings. But, you know, get me too far out of that from one side to the other. And you will recognize that positivity is not really my innate state. My human state has tended throughout its whole existence in this lifetime to have fairly negative expectations 
to pretty much be waiting for the other shoe to drop. I've developed a really healthy, um, healthy in the terms of skilled, not in the terms of optimal well-being, but in the terms of skill, I'm pretty skilled in my cynicism. I'm a pretty big skeptic. Um, there's a lot of things that the personality of me does not align with these words. And yet, that's okay. Because I know the truth of what I am. And my aspiration is to allow that centeredness that is really easy for me when I'm standing up here between those hours of 10.30 and 11.30 on Sunday mornings and I'm looking at you all, it's really easy for me to be aware of the strength that we all have, to be aware of the positive force that we are in the world, to recognize the power that is in this room, the wisdom, the loving, the ability to live our lives from a, from a viewpoint of freedom and fearlessness. It's really easy for me here, looking at you, to remember this and to know that in truth, this is part of what that gem of truth would reflect. And I suspect I'm not the only one in the room that finds it perhaps by Wednesday afternoon, Thursday afternoon, Friday afternoon, finds it a little more challenging to live in that continual awareness. So I hope that as we begin this new chapter together, that we can find ways of bringing more of this into expression we are the infinite. We are that one power, one presence. We are that. And we are that expressing at the point we are to the degree that our human egoic personality allows it. That's the other part. There is this very strong human intellect that kind of wants to look at the evidence. Mine kind of wants to say, you know, Nita, you know, Ego mind is saying, I've been around since like you were little, little, little. And I know that you're not necessarily a terribly positive person a lot of the time. And my job as a good truth student is to say, you know what, that is, that's correct. That is a fact. One of the things I learned and that some of you are already knowing where I'm going, the facts can change just like that. One day it was a fact that humans had never been on the moon. The next day, that fact changed. So I can look and I can say, yes, the facts of my personality are that I have demonstrated a whole lot of behavior that does not align with this. And the more I can live in awareness of what my aspiration of truth is, the more that I can remember, that I can bring myself into that one of the tools that I use in my own spiritual practice, and, and you know, in Unity, we are all about practical spirituality. So we have tools. A rule, I create rules for myself. You know, sometimes we think that being fearless and free means no rules, no consequences. I'm sorry, that is not so. 
we still have to live in alignment with that truth. And so I create rules for myself. An example, one of the rules that I have made for myself is that if I wake up in the middle of the night and that loop starts, do you guys know what I'm talking about? That loop, whether it's the difficult phone call that we have to make the next day, whether it's, you know, we just got the bank statement and it's not what we wanted to see, whether it's someone coming to dinner that we really don't want to have to talk to, whatever it is, whatever that loop is, and sometimes the loop is just, oh my gosh, i got to get up in the morning and I'm not getting any sleep. I need to sleep and I'm not sleeping. When am I going to go to sleep? I have to function. I need sleep. So one of my rules is that if I'm still awake and looping in an hour, I have to get up. I get up and I meditate. And that's my rule. My rule is if I'm not going to sleep anyway, I'm not going to lay here looping the endless loop about not sleeping, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to go meditate. And I meditate in a chair in a position that should I fall asleep, yahoo me. So that's a rule for me. It's a rule that I found out made my life function better. So if you see something in your own life, make a rule about it. And the other side of the rule is nobody else gets to enforce this rule. John doesn't get to say to me, I I know you were in bed not sleeping for three hours. Why didn't you get up and go meditate? He's not the boss of me in that area. Yeah. (laughs) So as we go along, if anything touches you, think maybe what kind of a rule could I make up for myself here? Um, Because, you know, we've all raised up, we haven't all raised up kids that were biologically our kids, but we have all been been in positions to help raise up either ourselves, our nieces, our nephews, the neighbor kids, to understand here are the boundaries, here's the rules in my house. You know, I had to tell my niece one time, I don't care if you watch The Simpsons at your house. We don't watch The Simpsons in our house. And she kept on and on and on about it. And I'm just going to say, we did not watch The Simpsons. So we've all been in a place where we've had to enforce rules. Here you just get to enforce them on yourself. So choose them wisely. So the first thing that I wanted to talk about today as far as beginning at the beginning. You know, in the past couple of months, we've had some new voices speaking in this community. And I want to acknowledge uh, Larry and Birka and Kathy for stepping up in December and and Diane has spoken, John has spoken, we've had we've had some of our new student voices. And one of the things, because it can be a little daunting the first time that you stand up in front of people, so one of the things that I always invite them to do is speak to the thing that you're most passionate about as far as your journey in truth. What is the thing that is most exciting, most world-changing. What was the one thing that when you learned it or you heard it, you went, oh my gosh. So I know that while I was gone, Larry spoke about realizing that 
we have an owner's manual within us that if we can just become still, that we will always hear a voice of wisdom. Kathy gave a wonderful example of moving into silence and meditation and the importance of that. Birka chose to speak in December about the importance of the awareness that peace is already, already present. Susan Smith also speaks frequently when I'm not here and she spoke about the value of kindness on one of her Sundays. And I think it's wonderful that we hear these other voices. And as I was listening to those, I realized that it's been a long time since I said what was the most important thing to me. So so I'm going to take advantage of the day to say that. And the thing that most astounded me, the thing that was most life-changing for me when I first began to read and study, and I read and study New Thought for a long time before I ever set foot in any kind of a spiritual center, any, any kind of a church, because I didn't do church. I did not believe in God and I did not do church. So when I first started out, reading these things it was a huge shift for me to begin to recognize how these thoughts and beliefs and practices could actually change my life and there are three things that were really fairly monumental to me in the beginning Uh, the first was the understanding that thoughts are actually things that take up space and occupy our consciousness. And that they are somewhat volitional. That was a hard one because, you know, don't thoughts just happen? I don't have any control over my thoughts. I just have them. They just attack me. I just have, like, thought attacks. And and the the, the possibility that I could actually change my thinking was huge for me and I didn't really believe it so it first off just became another thing that I did not believe in but there was something that was responding and resonating to me that that called me to keep studying some more the next thing that really came to be an important part of my unfoldment in truth was that our words have power. Now this one was an easy one for me to align with in the outer world because I was one, first off, I knew I was a smart kid and I knew I had a brain and I knew how to use my words to hurt other people and I knew they were effective. Now is that really the highest and best use of my understanding of that, that truth? No, of course not. Using my words, feeling skilled at using my words to hurt other people is definitely not one of the highest and best uses of that. However, it gave me a little anchor. It was like a, you know, it was like, well, I know words are, I know words are powerful. Maybe if they're telling me words are powerful and they're also telling me that I can learn to shift my thoughts through the use of my words, it began to crack open a little seed of light that maybe I could change my thoughts. And 
and, and you know, I'm not going to go into my whole biography, but I am someone who spent a good portion of my life in what I'm sure had my father believed in psychiatrists would have been diagnosed as some level of clinical depression. It was not a happy childhood for a long time for me. And that just grew into an unhappy young adulthood. And to hear someone say, you know, your thoughts are what's kind of messing you up. (laughs) And you know what? Those are actual things you could change. And you can change them through the power of your words because your words have power. All of a sudden it was like, yeah, my words do have power. I do know that. And I know that, I know they do because I've used them to affect negativity in my life. So that was the little crack. But here's the really big thing of those three. And as I kind of contemplated which one was it for me that was really the most, this next one is really it. And that is that life, our entire life experience is based upon the choices that we make. Life is choices. And that one was huge. That one was like some kind of an atom bomb going off in my brain. What do you mean choices? I did not choose for my mother to die when I was 15. I did not choose to have to raise my brother and sister. I did not choose to have a father who would take every us and every kid in the neighborhood out to dinner on payday and then hand me a 10 or a $20 bill the next day and go, well, sweetie, I hope that, you know, that was fun. Here's what we got till next month. I know you'll make it work. Uh, it'd be a lot easier to make it work if I hadn't just seen you spend $175 on food for people we really don't even care about. I did not choose any of that. So how can you possibly tell me that life is choices? And that was the biggie. That was the one that intrigued me enough that I kept studying and that I began to realize that the first choice that we have to make is to maintain an open mind, to be willing, to be willing to learn, to be willing to say, you know, at this point, I don't, A, I don't believe, I don't believe in whatever it is you all are calling God in the first place. I don't believe that the world is an inherently good place. I don't believe that things as simple as changing my thoughts are really going to change my life. And I don't believe that just my words can actually be an effective tool to do that. And now you want to tell me that life is choices. And, again, there was something within me that was going, yes, life is choices. You have a good body of evidence to look at your choices and how they have played out in your life at your use of words and the effect that those words have had on your life. And you have got a whole lifetime of seeing how a lot of where you are right now, even though I said I didn't really believe any of this stuff, there was something in me, that what of me, that was saying, listen, there's truth here. And if you choose to remain open-minded, if you choose to say, okay, 
I'm willing to investigate this further. And if you choose to actually follow through and do the work that you can transform your life. And so now that's all been about, well, I'm just going to say that's all been starting about 50 years ago or so. So I, you know, I think on my, I think on my official like bio, I put that I came into New Thought in somewhere the mid 70s to, you know, early 80s. But, you know, truthfully, I started reading this stuff when I was about 14 or 15. And it took me until, I'm trying to do some math here. Um, it took me until I was nearly 50 before I actually started to put any of it into play. I read a whole lot about it, took a whole lot of classes, but, and I won't say before I started to put it into play, but before I really, really was like, yes, I do not doubt. Yes, I know these things are true. I know it because I've been investigating it, I've been playing with it, and I've been seeing the changes in my life. So the first thing that I'd like for you to think about as we start this year is the effect of your choices. Because we all know that we are choice-making machines. Just for grins, I looked up today to see how many choices the average person makes in a day. Any guesses? Throw out some numbers. A hundred? Two thousand. Two thousand? Hundred thousand. Actually, thirty-five thousand choices we make every day. Now, are most of them intentional? No. A lot of our choices are things like, well, the speed limit, you know, this is, this is what's going on in the background that we aren't even paying attention to. Well, the speed limit says it's 25 here downtown, but there's nobody here. It's Sunday morning. 35 is fine. That's my choice. We choose whether or not to get out of bed in the morning. We choose what to put on in the morning. We choose when we're going to brush our teeth and when are we going to do this and, and, you know, can I, can I, Go with my gaslight showing on my car for one more day because I just don't want to stop for gas. We make, really, when I saw that, and I looked, and that was a reputable study. It was like Wesleyan College or something like that. And then I looked, and it's been, that is a valid number. 35,000 choices a day. And again, most of them are unintentional. We're not aware of them. But each choice, so here's where now, here's where we have to kind of put on our, we are grown up adults, we have lived in this world long enough, and I think we most of us will agree, do our choices have consequences? Always. Thank you, Marilyn. Always. Our choices always have consequences. And do we get to choose the consequences? No. So there's the catch. We can choose whatever we want, but the choice comes with consequence. And we have to be willing to start looking at our choices, considering and contemplating what are the consequences of these choices and what are the current consequences in my life right here, right now, today that are the result of choices I have made previously. And if we don't like the consequences, 
What do we have to do? Make a different choice. And the, here's where that fearless freedom comes in. You can do that any moment. In positively any moment of your life. And biblically, the Apostle Paul says that in the twinkling of an eye, everything can be transformed. It took me quite a while longer than the twinkling of an eye. But there are some things that I've kind of gotten and was like, oh, that's what happens when that happens. Oh, that's what that means. Note to self, new rule. Don't do that anymore. Make a different choice. So this first, the first step, your choices are important because they dictate the experience that you will have of life. Once again, and especially if you're new to hearing this, I am not saying that you choose the circumstances of your life necessarily. You know, these bodies, there was a point before these bodies were born, and we all know that there will be a point at which these bodies are given up. That's a circumstance that we all have to come to terms with. However, it's our thoughts and our feelings and our choices that dictate whether or not this process of living in this body is fulfilling and satisfying or just one victim story after another. So we need to become very aware of what are the choices when we receive them, what are the choices that are involved here. And we have to begin to recognize, to make that connection between choices and consequences and between my thoughts and beliefs and my words about that experience and what are the habitual thoughts that I'm holding about it. If I habitually think life sucks, then you die, which, yeah, and you guys chuckle, but that was my, that was my, sort of like my baseline for a whole lot of my life. People die, people leave, bad things happen, you go to work, it's, you're willing to go do your work and your job's been eliminated. You come home one day and you find out that, you know, that like, oh, they're selling the house, I don't live here anymore. Whatever it is, how do I respond to that? And how I choose to respond to it and the words that I choose to describe it will begin to shape my experience of that. So this is where our words, our thoughts, and our awareness of choice are absolutely critical. And for me, life is choices, so choose wisely is pretty much my tagline for the past 50 years of my spiritual path. If I'm feeling victimized, if I'm feeling anxiety, if I'm feeling put upon, I have to remember that it's up to me to remember that peace is always present, that life is choices, and I can always, 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 always choose again. I assure you there is no point at which those choices run out. If we make 35,000 choices a day, well, there must be an abundance, an infinite number of choices we can make. 
So for these next few moments, I'm going to invite you to just be still, breathe. And you know, if something I said, you know, about what do you mean, I did not choose this or I did not choose that, you may need to breathe again. And so we breathe and we remember that within us we are spirit, source, God, divine mind, expressing at the point we are. Within us, in that whatness, we are strong, positive, powerful, wise, loving, fearless, free spirit. And that we are the peace of the universe present at the point we are, no matter what. And our work is to bring our thoughts and our belief and our choices into alignment with that. So let's have some music and let's just be still together.
room in this shared sacred space and claim our willingness to choose wisely to consider optimal choices but when we recognize we are about to make an habitual choice that will at least stop and consider if the default choice actually serves us one of the things about learning truth is that once you hear it if you know in your heart it is true you can't unhear it so in this moment we simply breathe together willing to hear the voice of truth within each of us and to follow that guidance in our choice making as we claim silence we also claim good for all of those who have asked for our prayers for all beings everywhere for those who are experiencing challenges of weather of fire of war of violence of poor choices we claim peace light and love We can choose in this moment to carry this awareness of peace with us into the rest of our day, into the rest of our week, and in fact into the rest of our life. We can choose in this moment to claim willingness. We can choose to examine our actions and our choices and be willing to change. We offer gratitude and appreciation to all of the teachers who have taught us these lessons. We claim good and we move forth in expectation of good. And so it is. Amen. Now, one of the things that I learned very early on that was helpful to me. So, so this is where a lot of our journey is we learn this stuff and then as we begin to live our life as best we can keep that in mind as best we can in alignment with these things that what will begin to happen is that the example of our lives begin to be seen by other people and as those things are recognized you may have people ask you So why don't you go out drinking with us anymore? Oh gee, you're no fun anymore. What has changed? And we have to be prepared 
to not only give loving responses to those things, but to do a couple of other things. One is to learn how to leave breadcrumbs along the trail so that not only can we find our way back when we have to, and notice I said when, not if, I know no one who started off on this journey and made a straight line to enlightenment. Maybe you do. I do not. It's more like, more like all of that. You know, close your eyes, make all those weird things. That's more how the path goes. Breadcrumbs are helpful. The other thing is that when people ask you, share with them an honest answer that's given from love. And until people ask you, keep your mouth shut. Now I get an exemption because I'm getting a paycheck to come up here and talk to you guys. But, you know, I do not tell my employees or other people, oh, you know what you ought to do? Now I do tell them that in the context of if they work for me and they want their paycheck, I have a right to say, you know what you ought to do? But what we want to do is learn how to simply, how would I teach this to someone who asked me? So if you begin to recognize through paying attention to your own choices that it's healthier for you not to go drinking every night anymore, you don't have to call all your friends and say, hey, I'm not going drinking with you anymore because you guys are stupid and I'm better. This is not the way. You just live in alignment. And when asked, tell them, you know, I recognized at a point that I could make better choices for me. Not telling you what your better choices are. I'm telling you what my better choice was. And I hope we still love each other. Doesn't have to be a big ordeal. So this week, go through your week, be aware of your choices. Notice, good choices, bad choices. And here's the, here's the really, really cool thing. We are programmed to succeed at this. No matter what choice we make, somehow we have within us an oops button. Any of you who are musicians know that occasionally you hit the wrong key on your instrument. And if you're in a performance, you do not stop and go, Oh my God, I hit the wrong key. i got to start all over. You realize in that moment that your skill allows you to incorporate that note into something that makes it sound intentional. One of the, one of the blessings of my life was that my mother was an artist and she trusted me with things like India ink when I was old enough to hold an implement, which at that point was a dip pen, drawing with an old dip pen. And, you know, you make a lot of mistakes if you're like four and you're using India ink and an old fountain dip pen. And the thing was, there's a big blob. Okay, that's not a big deal. Turn it into something else. Make it look intentional. And nine times out of ten, that new chord that you perform or that blob that you integrate into something else or the slip stitch or whatever it is in your life, the new idea that incorporates that mistake becomes just that much more depth and understanding. So you really can't get it wrong. Ultimately, you learn the notes that work for you. 
And I have Eric Butterworth from uh, his book, In the Flow of Life, to thank for that little realization. So again, what are your choices? They have consequences. What are you thinking about them? Begin to be aware. Bring more awareness to it. Thank you all for being here today.